Onward to Victory is proud to team up with WCScreens.com, where you can get custom screen printing and embroidery at wholesale prices. With WCScreens.com, you'll stay in the Victory formation. They ship nationwide and can save you or your company money. WCScreens.com. And on with the show. Hey, isn't family amazing? Think your family's pretty cool? Probably not as cool as the Miller family, who sent seven, yes, seven, family members to play football at Notre Dame, including some pretty doggone famous ones. So let's dig in. Oh, I was kidding earlier, too, by the way. Your family is pretty cool. But buckle up those chin straps, Irish fans. This is Onward to Victory. Irish fans, and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter, and I am the humble host and creator of this enterprise. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the show. Well, as I always like to say, I got a real treat for you today, episode number 51 of your very favorite Fighting Irish podcast. But first, have you listened to the last episode yet? It's a real doozy about the 1971 Notre Dame-Purdue game, so we went exactly 50 years back in time for episode number 50 when the Irish pulled out a victory from the jaws of defeat on the back of a daring trick play famously known as the genuflect play. Yes, like when you genuflect before going into your pew at church. Now, even though I just kind of spoiled the ending, it's absolutely worth the listen. The 71 Irish-Purdue game, I was later told, was also one of the first games attended by diehard Irish fan and friend of the show, Mr. Brad Glazier. So go give it a listen, please, because it is a true instant classic and, like I said, just a real treat. All right, and as we do before every time we hurl ourselves at an episode like it's a tackling dummy, indulge me for a moment while I thank a few people who are absolutely critical to the sustainability of the show. Around here, we call our financial backers the Consensus All-Americans. Those who donate to the show and keep the train moving, so to speak. Believe it or not, it costs money to do this thing, so I am really thankful for these guys. Frankly, uh, we're getting to the point where I probably do need to make these guys some trophies, but anyway, first up is my friend Michael Finian of Rutherford, New Jersey. No doubt the longest standing and most ardent supporter of the show. Thank you, Michael. Next up is my pal from my part of the state, East Central Indiana, and that is the aforementioned Mr. Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana. Thank you so much, Brad. And finally, how about one of my very own kinfolk, Mr. Weston Painter of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I want to thank all of you for the support, both past, present, and future. If you're curious on how to support the show, stick around to show wrap, and I will tell you all about it. And also, thank you to our 2021 season sponsor, that is WCScreens.com, the gold standard of the screen printing and embroidery industry. So visit my pal Tony and the rest of his team for all your needs at WCScreens.com. 
All right. So as I've mentioned on the show probably more than just a few times, I hail from an incredibly large family. Be it as it were, <laughs> I am actually the second oldest of 10 children. We all hail from Fort Wayne, Indiana, though several of us have moved to different parts of Indiana and Ohio. But uh, as I like to joke, when you tell people in northern Indiana that you have 10 children in your family, they typically ask you if you're Catholic or Amish. Needless to say, for us, it is the former. But I ended up getting the idea for this episode while reminiscing a bit with a couple of my brothers about our days playing high school football. Now, just to be clear, we aren't the type that are known as a high school Harry or people who clearly love to talk about the quote-unquote glory days of high school, but I imagine it's fairly unusual for a high school football program, much less a public high school football program, to have six brothers to have gone through and played. But for us, it's exactly true. From 2002 to 2014, there was at least one, often two, and sometimes even three, Painter brothers suiting up for the Snyder High School Panthers in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you're a Hoosier, you have a sense that Snyder is one of those football factories in a sense. But anyway, there was me, Alex, of course. I played defensive end. Adam played wide receiver. Dylan, safety. Layton, another wide receiver. Weston, the aforementioned Weston, played defensive tackle, so we were the two defensive linemen of the family. And the youngest, Colton, played quarterback. And uh, other than just waxing nostalgia, I promise you I am taking this somewhere. But we were pretty good. Uh, so much so that when Colton, the youngest, graduated, they presented our mom with this huge plaque with her picture on it, our names and numbers, as well as our cumulative statistics. So it's pretty neat. For instance, the Painter brothers racked up 354 total tackles, 14 and a half sacks, 1,678 passing yards, 48 receptions, 20 interceptions, and so on and so forth at the varsity level. Uh, there are even a few collegiate athletes in the bunch. Um, but someone once called us, and again, please know that I am humbly sharing this and I am taking it somewhere, the first family of Snyder football. So while I was talking to my brothers... I started thinking, who would be the quote-unquote first family of Notre Dame football? See, I told you I was taking it somewhere, but currently, when you think of pairs of siblings, there's actually been quite a few throughout Notre Dame's history. I mean, currently, you have the Adam Alola brothers, defensive linemen Justin and Jason. And who knows, depending on how they finish their careers, they may be among the best sibling pair in program history. However, moving a little bit further back in time, you also have the Martin brothers, both currently in the NFL, offensive linemen Zach and Nick. Who could forget Tony and Reggie Brooks during the Lou Holtz era, or Ross and Jim Browner, who starred for Notre Dame in the mid to late 1970s under Dan Devine. I know there are more, but those are the ones I could think of off the top of my head. But by all means, if I forgot a big one, please share it with me. But getting the silver medal in this exercise is the famous Golick family, all right? You've probably heard of them, but Bob Golick played at Notre Dame from 1975 through 1978, was an All-American before spending 14 seasons in the NFL, mostly with the Cleveland Browns. Of course, Bob's younger brothers, Greg and Mike, followed him to Notre Dame. Mike played the 1981 uh, through 84 seasons before joining the uh, NFL for a career of his own. 
Much more noteworthy is his career in sports radio, particularly as the co-host of ESPN's Mike and Mike in the Morning. But all three of Mike's kids went to Notre Dame as well. Mike Jr. was a starting guard on the 2012 team before starting his own career as a sports personality. Jake was a reserve tight end from 2009 through 2012. And not for nothing, Mike's daughter, Sydney Golick, was on the swim and dive team at Notre Dame. So yes, talk about some serious pedigree, as the Golics have nearly become synonymous with Notre Dame. So everyone mentioned our standouts across the history of the storied Notre Dame program. And with the close, very close exception of the Golics, no one can hardly hold a flame to the Miller family of Defiance, Ohio. Perhaps some of you know exactly what rabbit hole I'm about to burrow into, and some of you may be thinking the who from the where. Well, here we go. Let's start with the where. Defiance, Ohio. Defiance, Ohio is in the northwest corner of the state of Ohio in the county seat for, you guessed it, Defiance County. And if you're a geography nerd like me, we are talking about 50 miles southwest of Toledo and 40 miles northeast of Fort Wayne, Indiana. So again, being a Fort Wayne native myself, I was aware of Defiance and much of my family is from and still resides in nearby Lima, Ohio, which is also about 40 miles away from Defiance. But Defiance is named for Fort Defiance, which was constructed in the area by Mad Anthony Wayne, which is how Fort Wayne got its name. But Fort Defiance was constructed during the Little Turtle War between the United States and the Choctaw and Chickasaw tribes in the late 18th century. So in 1822, the town of Defiance is formally platted. And since the 1970s, Defiance's population has hovered in the 16,000 range, which is interesting since while it hasn't grown much, it also hasn't experienced a precipitous decline either, which many small rural Midwestern cities or towns have experienced, particularly in the last two or three decades. But anyway, we're not talking about a very large place. But now that we're acclimated with the where, let's move on to the who. So the patriarch and matriarch of the family were Martin and Annie Miller. Again, Defiance, Ohio. They had no fewer than five sons, Harry, Raymond, Walter, Gerald, and Don. A large Catholic family. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I can relate. But as it turns out, these boys could flat play football. And if you want to believe Notre Dame historian player coach Chet Grant, and you really should as he himself was a Defiance native, wrote in his book, quote, I was born in 1892 the golden anniversary of the University of Notre Dame, and the year to which the Golden Blues' unbroken line of intercollegiate competition dates. Defiance, Ohio, where I was born, produced Notre Dame's most famous football family, the Millers, end quote. So by now, you'd probably believe me if I told you that every one of those aforementioned lads would go on to play football at Notre Dame. Let's start with the oldest. His name was Harry who would go on to earn the nickname of Red. But he was recruited to play at Notre Dame by former Notre Dame quarterback and coach Henry McGlue, who was nicknamed Fuzzy due to his neatly parted patch of soft curly hair on his head. 
I reckon it doesn't get more Irish sounding than Fuzzy McGlue. Anyway, by the time Red came to Notre Dame in 1906, Fuzzy had actually been replaced by a gentleman named Tom Barry, who coached the team in 1906 and 1907. Now, Red was a natural halfback, but was absolutely scrappy as hell. And I mean that. Just how scrappy was he? Well, after two seasons as a standout halfback, he was named not only the captain of the team, but was also made the first string center in 1908. He was so good at center that he was named to the All-State Collegiate Team. Short of show favorite fullback Lewis Salmon, Harry may have been the second most explosive players in the pre-Rockney Notre Dame football days. And he was made back into a halfback his senior year in 1909. So again, halfback, halfback, center, halfback. And we actually just touched on this 1909 season a few episodes ago. This was the year when the team was first described as the, quote, fighting Irish in the press after a monumental victory over Michigan. It was the same year that Harry returned a punt 95 yards for a touchdown versus Olivet University a record that stood until Ricky Waters broke it exactly, gasp, eight decades later. Either way, one could make the argument that Harry's Irish teams forged the path and took the baton that was accepted by Rockney's teams in the early 1910s. Harry graduated as one of the most famous Notre Dame football players in their short history and soon accepted a job as the head coach at Creighton University in 1910, where he remained until 1914. Creighton is located in Omaha, Nebraska, and I've actually seen their volleyball team play since my youngest sister plays on the Xavier University volleyball team. But Creighton actually fielded a football team until 1942. So keep that one in mind. But brother number one, Harry Miller, who we will return to after bit. So second on the brother muster roll was Raymond Miller. Please call him Ray. He was actually a teammate of Knut Rockne as a player in a fairly intimate way. Ray entered Notre Dame in 1910. Now he was a very tough-nosed, dedicated player, but he was not able to see the field as much as older brother Harry, mostly because he played end and was back up to, you guessed it, Knut Rockney himself on the varsity squad. So he played on the team in 1910, 11, 12, and 13. So he was on some very special teams, albeit as mostly a reserve. So while, yes, Ray was technically a substitute, that didn't mean he didn't garner his fair share of praise. In fact, in the 1912 Notre Dame Football Review, it was shared that, quote, no praise can be too high for the men who gave their afternoons and took the bruises while they left the glory to the regulars, the men who showed loyalty by staying out the entire season are Miller, Devereaux, Keith, Morgan, and Munger, end quote. So he gets a special nod there. I really like that. But anyways, Ray had an insatiable drive. Here's something that was published shortly after his death in 1966. This was shared in the South Bend Tribune, quote, 
you might think that the Miller family of Defiance, Ohio had an easy time of it. It might be true for some of the younger members of the family, but Ray waited tables, fired furnaces, and worked in the library to help pay his way through school, end quote. So Ray graduated with a law degree in 1914. Now you remember when I mentioned that drive? <laughs> he worked his way up the ranks in Cuyahoga County as a lawyer, and what eventually was, you may not believe this, elected as the 43rd mayor of the city of Cleveland from 1932 through 1933. Shout out to all the Clevelanders in the listening audience. So one of the Miller brothers ultimately became mayor of Cleveland, and he also later played a role, a major one at that, in organizing the Cleveland Browns, and reputedly even helped land head coach Paul Brown to the operation. So that was brother number two, Ray Miller. So we have Harry and Ray. And third in the ranks was Walter Miller. But again, please, you can call him Wally. He entered Notre Dame in 1914, just a few months after Ray had graduated. Now, Wally was a bit undersized for football. In fact, according to the Notre Dame alumnus magazine in an issue released in October of 1930, Wally had the reputation of being the lightest fullback in collegiate football. But damn, he was pretty intense out on the gridiron. While suiting up for the freshman team in 1914, the Notre Dame Football Review wrote that, quote, The freshmen are all good fighters and are full of pep, especially that Walter Miller, who gives a war cry when running interference, what they called blocking at the time, or carrying the football, end quote. I played with some pretty intense dudes in my day, but a war cry while carrying the ball is kind of some next-level stuff. But in addition to being a bruising ball carrier and tackler, he was also an excellent, highly regarded punter. So just to reacclimate ourselves with the timeline, Wally played during the 1914, 15, 16, and 17 seasons. So in 1917... Wally's senior year, he would have shared the backfield with a certain sophomore named George Gipp. Needless to say, Wally was incredibly impactful on the gridiron, starting in the backfield for more than two seasons, and he actually left shortly after the 1917 season to join the Navy and serve in World War I. He returned to graduate with a law degree in the spring of 19. 20. So Rockney would have been an assistant coach during Wally's time under head coach Jess Harper. And it was Wally's playing days that would have kind of effectively bridged the gap between Rockney and Gipps' playing days. So I just add that for extra context. But that was brother number three, Walter Miller. So about a year and a half or so after Wally graduated, a pair of Miller brothers entered Notre Dame together in 1921. That would be Don and Gerald Miller, brothers number four and number five. The pair of brothers really made their mark starting that first season on campus in 1921 as members of the freshman team. To quote the 1921 Notre Dame Football Review, the two Millers, Jerry and Don, 
all look good for future varsity teams, end quote. So let's cover brother number four, Jerry, here for a spell. Like all of his brothers, he spent his football time in the backfield as a halfback. And it would really seem that Jerry was a combination of his brothers, Wally and Ray. Wally, in the sense that he was a bit undersized, and Ray, in the sense that while he was incredibly capable as a football player, he was mostly relegated as a reserve or a substitute. If I can again quote that 1930 issue of the Notre Dame alumnus magazine, quote, Jerry Miller was a football player far above the ordinary, and the brilliance of his brother, coupled with his own lack of weight shrouded his accomplishments to some extent. However, he was a member of that unsung and unhonored company of heroes, the reserves, and performed capably with the shock troops for three years, end quote. Now, if you know much about the tactics of uh, Coach Rockney, he loved to employ the reserves altogether and kind of keep the uh, first stringers fresh. So, so I know that while reserves or substitutes kind of carry a connotation that these players didn't see the field, if you look at the tactics of Rockney again, he loved to play those shock troops. And then at the, you know, at the drop of a hat, he put the first stringers in with fresh legs, and then that's how they take advantage of a lot of their opponents. So during his senior year, again, this is Jerry in 1924, the Football Review wrote the following, Jerry Miller, brother to Don Miller, imitated his brothers before him giving his very best for Notre Dame. Jerry, however, lacks the weight for stardom. Jerry is a Notre Dame football man playing the game hard and clean, end quote. So Jerry was the backup right halfback, and he backed up an incredibly talented fellow right halfback, and that would, of course, be his brother, Don. Now, if this name, Don Miller, our fifth Miller brother, is kind of ringing a bell... Well, I'll let the immortal words of Grantland Rice take it from here. Outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, they are known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and death. These are only aliases. Their real names are Stoldrer, Miller, Crowley, and Layden. They form the crest of the South Bend Cyclone, before which another fighting army football team was swept over the precipice at the Polo Grounds yesterday afternoon as 55,000 spectators peered down on the bewildering panorama spread on the green plain below. Yes, all you faithful sons of Aaron, the fifth Miller brother comprised one quarter of the unforgettable four horsemen who captured an entire nation's attention and one might say catapulted Notre Dame to a fame they had never known and perhaps they have never lost since. Don Miller was named an All-American and is undoubtedly the most famous of the Millers due to his connection with the Horsemen. Now, if you're kind of stumbling into this and aren't 100% sure who these Horsemen are and why they're famous, just jump over to Google and look up an image. You'll quickly find the photograph, the famous one at that, of all four members of the backfield perched atop of horses. In fact, if you look at their faces, you can kind of see a wide range of comfort level that they had on top of horses. I can't remember which ones said that it was their first time ever on a horse. 
But anyway, the 1924 Notre Dame Football Review wrote the following about Don Miller. Quote, Miller of Defiance, Ohio, the last of the Miller Mohicans, carved his name in football's Hall of Fame close beside that of Layden, Stoldrayer, and Crowley as one of the brilliant quartet of horsemen. End quote. Now, if you were to gaze into the Notre Dame record book, as I did for this very episode, Don's name is still everywhere. He led the team in rushing in 1923 and 1924. He led the team in receiving in 1922, 23, and 24. His 95-yard kick return in 1922 remains one of the longest in school history. They'll have to update that with the 96-yard return from Chris Tyree just this past week, but neither here nor there. So Don was elected to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1970. So there you are. There you have it. The five Miller brothers, Harry, Ray, Wally, Jerry, and Don. The Yonkers Herald, even back in November of 1922, absolutely waxed about these lads. Quote, The Miller brothers have several common characteristics. Ability to play football, an earnestness for scholastic attainments, and the possession of good looks. But above all, a nature modest and unassuming. Notre Dame points to many football achievements with pride, but to none with more pride than giving the world the five Miller brothers, end quote. How about that? So let's circle back to Harry, or brother number one, if you will, who led Notre Dame to beat Michigan for the first time in program history. Well, if you remember, he was a coach at Creighton University after graduating from Notre Dame. So in 1922, he and his wife gave birth to a son and named him Creighton. And so naturally, Creighton had some serious pedigree himself. What with his father and four uncles all playing for Notre Dame, that is. That goes the same for his older brother, Tom. So covering Tom quickly, he was the sixth Miller to play football at Notre Dame. Tom played end and had an amazing game during the 1941 season while he was a sophomore. He played exactly four minutes of the game against Arizona State. He caught two passes for 68 yards and scored two touchdowns. So how about that? He actually switched to halfback for the 1942 season and returned kicks for Frank Leahy's Fighting Irish. And he had a very solid career for some really stinking good Irish teams. However, it was younger brother Creighton who really shone during this time. In fact, he is widely regarded as one of the finest players in Notre Dame history. He was named to the All-American squad in 1943 and led the entire nation in rushing that year with 911 yards, and he scored 13 touchdowns. He also finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy balloting that year. And perhaps he received his highest praise when his coach, Frank Leahy, told him that he was his best halfback ever which was an accolade that fits this autograph that the coach once gave to Creighton. And it said, To Creighton Miller, those who say Gip was the greatest hadn't seen you play. Frank Leahy. Creighton went on to help coach the Cleveland Browns in their early days and was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame himself in 1976. 
So there you have it. The seven Millers of Notre Dame. What a legacy. And I'll be right back. Wow, what a story. Imagine that, Cruz family reunions. I bet they were really something. Thank you for sticking around and listening. I love large families, and this episode was absolutely a labor of love. As as you can probably pick up on, some of these brothers or family members have been covered heavily throughout Notre Dame's history, but there were a few that you really, I really kind of had to dig for, and so I was kind of happy to tell some of these guys' stories and yeah, as I mentioned, maybe some of those Miller family members who may be a little lesser known. Either way, I'm going to call episode number 51 a rousing success. So I want to thank WCScreens.com for sponsoring the show. Again, please visit their website to see everything they have to offer in screen printing and embroidery and how they can get you or your company, your gathering, whatever it may be, outfitted properly and saving money. A special and warm thank you to Consensus All-Americans, Mr. Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana, and Weston Painter of Fort Wayne, Indiana. If you are interested in becoming a Consensus All-American yourself, please visit paypal.me slash onwardtovictory for a one-time donation or head over to patreon.com slash onwardtovictorypodcast for options in ongoing support. Please know how much it is appreciated. So don't forget to like and subscribe to the show, however it is that you listen to it. If you have an iPhone in your hand, please make sure you subscribe. Hit that purple podcast icon, subscribe, and be alerted to all the new episodes. Also, if you find it in your heart, please rate or review this podcast however it is you can, whether it's on Amazon or CastBox, Podbean, uh, the aforementioned Apple, Spotify, however it is, please review it. Uh, it may seem insignificant, but it does help the show get found, say, when people search for Notre Dame content over the vastness of the internet. So please jump over to the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash onwardtovictorypodcast for the latest show updates there as well. I know by now I must sound like a broken record, but again, thank you so much for electing to spend just a little bit of your time to join me here today and take in this little bit about the famous Miller brothers of Notre Dame. It's really a neat one, and I appreciate you indulging me and letting me talk a little bit about my family. And so I mentioned myself and the five other, the Snyder High School football playing painters, but I want to make sure I give shout-out to my sisters and my older brother, Ben, who's, of course, skilled in many different ways. He just wasn't a football player, and my sisters, Leah, Ryan, Nora, there. Now I've, now I've named off all ten children in my family in uh, one single episode. All right, and with that, I had better sign off, but please interact with the show however you are most comfortable, whether it is on the Facebook page or if you'd like to send the show a good old-fashioned email, it's simply onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. Just please note that if you send the show an email, I'll always read it uh, on a future episode. I just love interacting with uh, fellow passionate Irish fans. But rest assured, there's some really exciting new shows coming down the pike. I've had a multitude of really good ideas, I think, and so I think you're all going to really enjoy them. So without further ado, I am going to sign off. Thank you so much again for joining me. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. 
And as always, fellow sons and daughters of Aaron, go Irish.